and welcome to this year's State of the Word. It's so wonderful to have so many of us back here in New York with us today, but also we have a bunch of folks uh, watching from all over the world, all of our satellite watch parties. Hello, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, any minute now we'll have Matt, and that is exactly what we're here to talk about. But first, my name is Josepha hayden Champosi. I'm the executive director of the WordPress Project, and as I wrap up my fourth year in that role, I find myself reflecting on the question, why WordPress? The most quotable answer to that lies in the phrase, free as in speech. <laughs> but for anyone who's heard me talk about the four freedoms of open source, you know that I think it's a lot more than that. The four freedoms of open source are these, in case you have not yet heard me talk about them. The freedom to run the program for any purpose, the freedom to study how the program works and change it so that it does your computing as you wish, the freedom to redistribute copies so that you can help your neighbor, and the freedom to distribute copies of your modified versions, giving the community a chance to benefit from those changes. From a practical standpoint, what this means is that you can own a copy of the software that's easy to use, easy to study and learn from, easy to change, easy to share. But from a philosophical standpoint, as I said, this means a lot more to me. These four freedoms enable the removal of barriers to opportunity in the world. And by continuing to remove those barriers, we secure a free and open and interconnected web for the future. The four freedoms form almost a bill of rights for the web. And as with any rights, you don't need to know that they exist in order for you to benefit from them or in order for you to deserve them. And so when I ask myself, why WordPress? The best answer I have always been able to find is that we secure opportunities and freedoms long into the future for people who may not even know that those freedoms should matter to them yet. Like so many, I didn't know any of this when I first came to WordPress. We're gonna do some WordPress bingo. Who, had, who knew that when they first heard of WordPress? <laughs> You're welcome, WP Sessions folks. <laughs> um, but, so it wasn't until much later that I met the man that I'm about to introduce to you, and he was one of the many people that taught me that open source is an idea that can change our generation. That man is, of course, WordPress co-founder, Matt Mullenweg. <laughs> wow, welcome everybody. Um, I don't know if you can see on the stream, but we have a live studio audience here in New York City, which is pretty fun. Um, I don't know if we're gonna be quite as entertaining as SNL, but we'll try to work on a few, at least inside WordPress jokes. Um, it's such a pleasure. Uh, we've got a mix of some local contributors, some folks who have flown in from all over the world, um, some like WordPress developers, some WordPress business leaders. I'm actually curious, who came, who thinks they came the furthest today? Right over there, oh, we got Paris, right? That's awesome, two Paris and, uh, and a Vienna. So two Paris and a Vienna, <laughs> it's not bad. What's that? And a Berlin. Ah, so, so Europe is showing up well. Europe's gonna feature pretty prominently later, so we gotta get some more of that out next time. Um, but just a reminder for what we do with the State of the Word, it's kind of an opportunity. Um, you know, WordPress is a distributed group of not just thousands, but actually 
probably over 100,000 uh, making up the community. You know, we have over 55,000 plugins and themes for WordPress that extend it to do almost anything you can imagine. We have all the core developers, the translators, translators into over 50 languages um, from volunteers all over the world. And as a like massively distributed group that comes together to make this thing that we call WordPress, that has the meanings that Josefa so beautifully spoke about, um, we also often don't get the opportunity to reflect back on what we've done. And so that's what's so exciting about coming together. It is our collective celebration of what we accomplished, uh, you know, an almost impossible project of you know, tens of thousands of people, many of whom have never met in person, coming together to create something, almost like a software Amish barn raising. We all come together <laughs> <laughs> and make this thing that then is our contribution to the world. Because as Josefa mentioned, WordPress is free and open source, meaning that anyone can use it, it's accessible. We try to be radically accessible, regardless of language spoken, economic ability, uh, technical ability, everything. We want to create software for the people, by the people. Um, it's also been such a roller coaster of a year that it's uh, nice to come back and, and celebrate some of the fun stuff. So at last year's State of the Word, um, I should also say that some of this is a little bit inside baseball, meaning <laughs> that if you're tuning in and you're kind of learning what WordPress is right now, if it seems like there's a lot of terminology or something, we'll try to define it as we go along, but don't worry. <laughs> you can Google all this. We're also going to be live tumbling at wordpress.tumblr.com, so if I mention a link or something, that'll be up there you know, within like 20 or 30 seconds. So if you want to check out anything further, double click, as they say, on uh, any things we talk about, check out that wordpress.tumblr.com. Um, and last year, I talk, spoke a lot about Gutenberg and starting to say how Gutenberg has been uh, adopted even wider than WordPress. So we're best known for WordPress, but Gutenberg, which is our basically new block editor, a way to be able to edit posts and create whole entire websites using this block paradigm, um, I actually believe is going to be bigger than WordPress itself as a contribution and adoption to the web and to mobile apps. And we have some pretty exciting things that have been going on with Gutenberg all over the world. Um, close to home, you will notice that the BBPress forums that power all the support in WordPress.org now have embedded Gutenberg. So we've gone from, uh, I think it was BB code <laughs> before. So if you were to like post a link or an image on the forums before, you'd have to write this like strange HTML-like language. Um, now, as you can see, it has rich embedding, images, videos, uh, O-embeds, everything. So we've really modernized um, the WordPress.org support experience. And this is using a plugin, I believe called Blocks Anywhere? Blocks Everywhere. <laughs> it's even better than Anywhere. Um, which also is going to be embedded in BuddyPress as well. So if you're using the sort of social network in a box that extends WordPress, um, that's going to have blocks, which is pretty exciting. Um, we also are uh, starting to see Gutenberg embedded in completely other applications. So as you notice, this looks a lot like the Gutenberg interface. But this is actually a Laravel-based application called Engine Awesome. And I believe we have the developers of Engine Awesome here. Right there. Congratulations. I had trouble summarizing this, but this reminded me a little bit like, like a access or file maker, like kind of a database creator where anyone can create like rich forms and data and then interact with it. Is that accurate? Cool. <laughs> and leveraging, even though the back end has nothing to do with WordPress, leveraging Gutenberg to make this like really beautiful form builder and modifier. Um, the Pew Research Center 
has redone their political typology quiz um, that they converted the blocks in, in Gutenberg. Over a million people have co completed this quiz. It's kind of a fun one that you can take it out and it sort of like categorizes your political typology and then it feeds back into the Pew Research information. So I thought this one was pretty fun. Um, please keep these examples coming, by the way. I love hearing about these. The award-winning journaling app, day one, which has been app of the year on Apple's App Store and everything, think of it like kind of a private encrypted WordPress, um, has now adopted Gutenberg for their web version and will be using native Gutenberg, which is the native iOS and Android implementations of Gutenberg in the future. By the way, did we finish the relicensing for the mobile Gutenberg? Yes. We did, uh, awesome. So, uh, well, it's one of these things. So Gutenberg um, on the web and by default has always been GPL because everything we do is part of this GPL license. The GPL license has what's called a viral aspect. So if you embed GPL code, in, in something else, you modify it, you need to give those same freedoms when you redistribute. So your modifications also need to be GPL. This works really well on the web, like you can embed JavaScript, uh, the JavaScript version of Gutenberg in your web application, and the rest of your web application doesn't need to be also open sourced. But on mobile apps, because of how com they're compiled and uh, distributed, it was sort of kicking in. And so if you were like a proprietary app, like day one or MailChimp or something like that, you want to embed Gutenberg, you couldn't with the way the license was. So we actually did a lot of work to go back to all the contributors and all the people who've been part of the code of this mobile Gutenberg, which is again the native uh, implementations of it, and uh, got a, a dual license. So it's, you can use it under the GPL, or I believe the MPL, the Mozilla Public License, uh, if I'm recalling that correctly, which can be easily embedded in applications. So as we go through all the Gutenberg stuff, Remember that we're not just doing this once, we're actually implementing this three times <laughs> in three separate languages, which is pretty fun. And if you haven't checked out day one, check out that. And then finally, I want to show this implementation of Gutenberg because it looks nothing like the others. So this is actually the Tumblr post uh, form, which, and here I'm showing copying and pasting into the Tumblr post form. So if you look at how Tumblr has adapted Gutenberg, it's using all the fun stuff that has been in the Tumblr editor forever, but now it has all the features of Gutenberg. They're just 99% of it is hidden. As you can see, there's no sidebar, there's none of the other things, it's all in line. So this is a great example of how you can skin Gutenberg to actually get all the benefits of the hard work we've done around copy and paste, rich block editing, uh, editing inside and outside of links. Um, all of that is, oops, all of that is happening um, now and you can bet in anything. So I'm hoping to see, you know, we talked a little bit last year about how Drupal's starting to utilize Gutenberg and some other things. Um, I hope that we can create this open block standard that's just a standard for every place there's like a web form. Because that means that when a block or a pattern or something is created, that can now be cr literally cross-platform. And that as users start to learn these interfaces and like a block-based way of creating rich text or editing sites, if they learn it on one system, it'll be applicable on every other. Um, so this is, again, something I think could be even bigger than WordPress, and WordPress has done pretty well. <laughs> um, speaking of coming together, like we are right now, we have this pretty fun animation that shows WordPress meetups throughout the years. So as you can see in the beginning, sort of 2007, 2008, there's just a couple uh, that were happening mostly in America. Um, as we go through 2010, you'll start to see WordPress start to spread in America. Europe starts to pop up. We've got some London, some looks like France, Berlin, Portugal. Australia just came online. Okay, now we're on four, five continents. Africa, South Africa, looks like some 
Egypt. Uh, so we reached all six continents. When I went to Antarctica, I tried to get together our WordPress meetup. <laughs> but the lack of internet was a little tricky. Now, y'all know what's just about to happen, so we just hit COVID time. So these red are the in-person meetups switching to the uh, online ones. So there were still a couple that happened. Whoops, that wasn't supposed to, wait, I think I can, yeah, let me pause this and go to the end there. Um, whoops. Da -da -da. Uh, well, I'm just going to describe it. At the end, you started to see uh, the online start to turn back into in-person meetups. And this was an ingredient that I felt was really missing from the WordPress community the past few years, and we felt it. Um, we've always taken for granted that since the early days of WordPress, we brought people together in person at work camps or meetups, often low or no cost, just all over the world. And it turns out that was like a really magical uh, ingredient of onboarding people to be new contributors, teaching them about the WordPress culture, and also getting an influence of folks from all walks of life and all backgrounds coming together and then influencing, mixing with WordPress developers and plugin creators and everything, and then influencing the future of it. So I'm very proud to say that from 21 to 22, the amount of meetup groups active has doubled um, from kind of the nadir that we reached in 2021. We also, we went from one WordCamp in 2021 <laughs> to 22 and 22, which is kind of cool. <laughs> Netherlands, Kathmandu, Valencia, Lyons, Bartapur. Bar um, Bar I'm going to work on pronouncing some of these. We already have 34 in planning for 2023, and that number could go even higher. So I'm excited to see these work camps come back. Um, I'm also excited to say that after a six-year hiatus, the WordPress Community Summit is coming back. So this is going to be concurrent with the WordCamp US, which this year is in National Harbor, Maryland, uh, USA, in August, uh, sort of the, the end of August, August 22nd, 23rd. The Community Summit is basically for the top contributors of WordPress to come together. And um, excited to see how that comes up again, especially since it's been so long since the last one. And many of the new contributors, some of whom we'll talk about today, have never had a chance to meet other folks in person. Also a milestone, very excited to celebrate next year, is that WordPress is turning 20 years old. <laughs> Not a lot of software projects make it that long, much less are growing faster than ever um, at that age. Actually, one that we share a birth year with is Creative Commons which is kind of exciting, also turning 20 next year. We're gonna have a lot of exciting stuff going on with the uh, 20th birthday of WordPress. If you'd like to follow along at wp20.wordpress.net, uh, we're gonna be having a site that'll have like special edition swag and merchandise. Um, we're doing a new edition of the Milestones book. So Milestones is the open source book we did on the first 10 years of WordPress, 2003 to 2013. So we're doing the second 10 year update of that book. And there'll be events all over the world. So we'll have a chance to have fun. You know, at the last, at the 10 year anniversary of WordPress, people made some amazing cakes and there was like all sorts of fun stuff. So I'm excited to see what the kind of community generated worldwide celebration of WordPress 20 is going to be. 
I, talk, I spoke last year about how important education is to the future of WordPress. We have a site at learn.wordpress.org, which now has open source courses, uh, community workshops, things happening almost every week that can, might be uh, sort of moderated or facilitated by a volunteer. And also the content itself is being created by people all over the world who teach WordPress. It's being translated into new language now. We had 12,000 people um, take one of these courses. Uh, such an important part of getting involved with WordPress is the education. And I love meeting folks, including some like startup founders and CEOs, um, uh, that tell me that they learned to code from doing WordPress themes or WordPress plugins, <laughs> which is it's pretty exciting. It's also how I learned to code. So um, it's kind of fun to see the ripple effects of folks who might get started with WordPress, might take one of these free online courses, and where they end up. We have also gotten around to redesigning some of the pages on WordPress.org. <laughs> We've got the blog that's been redesigned. And we're trying to do, this is a new showcase, just launched yesterday. <laughs> um, and as you notice, we're starting to bring our jazz design language um, to everything. I hope that this is kind of like our, our neo-soul, neo-jazz uh, meets software aesthetic is kind of like a, a new web design language for the world. And of course, we're do, putting in the themes and everything like that. So this is going to be kind of fun uh, to get out there. There's so much more of WordPress.org to redesign. <laughs> but we're taking it one bite at a time. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those giant. I just saw, I went to Champion's Pizza in, um, in New York last night, kind of in the Lafayette area, or on Lafayette Street. And they have to try to break the Guinness record for longest pizza. <laughs> I was like, how did people eat that? <laughs> it was like a really, but that's sometimes how I feel when we're redesigning WordPress.org. <laughs> There's just a lot to do. <laughs> we also spoke last year about Openverse, which is kind of unusual. This was uh, an acquisition that we did from the Creative Commons organization, but not really an acquisition, because what we did was we put it on WordPress.org. What Openverse is, is uh, essentially a search engine that scours the entire web for Creative Commons licensed media. Uh, it could be photos, videos. Um, if you're not familiar with what the Creative Commons is, it's kind of an open source applied to uh, media or content. So a license which under this image can be used for sometimes commercial use, sometimes non-commercial use, sometimes with attribution, sometimes with no attribution. It's kind of a variety of different kind of, uh, as a creator, you can pick different licenses to put things under. One thing that we launched was audio. So now if you're doing a podcast or something like that, there's now all this amazing music and audio that creators have chosen to share with the world, much like the developers and designers of WordPress have chosen to share their work with the world under these open licenses. So, so far in the Openverse, we have over 22 million images, 1.1 million audio files, um, where it's being used millions and millions of times per month. And in the past 30 days, over 59 million requests. Um, and it's not even fully embedded into WordPress yet. <laughs> so this is actually pretty exciting um, in terms of how we can create these open ecosystems that kind of feed back to each other. It's not just code and CSS and everything. It's actually going to be everything that you can put on your site. If you are a photographer or a musician or anything like that and you'd like to contribute to this, we have the photo directory on WordPress.org now that you can put uh, Creative Commons Zero or GPL licensed images on. And the nice thing about this is if you just upload it to your site and tag it with this Creative Commons license, it will go into the Openverse automatically and then be accessible for other people to use. So that is something that kind of, when you upload to WordPress, you can tag things and then that goes into Openverse. It's something we're going to be working on this year as well because think the power of that when you have 
tens of millions of websites and creators um, now being part of this ecosystem, both to consume it and to create it. Let's talk about some of the other features that are going to be coming in that we did in 22 and that will be coming up in 23. Um, one of the big pushes that we had for WordPress this year was all about customization and empowering designers and people who want to be designers. There were three major releases this year that brought a number of uh, cool design tools that can be done entirely on the front end with blocks. So you no longer need to go into the PHP or the CSS as much as before. It's kind of the top three things that that have shipped this year that I feel like are really changing um, how WordPress can be used and who can use it. The first is block themes. So what block themes are is, remember I've been talking a lot about Gutenberg blocks. Think of a Gutenberg block kind of like a Lego. It's a reusable pattern. It could be a contact form, it could be an image, it could be a video, it could be a Google map, it could be almost anything that are the components that make up every single web page. The cool thing is as you start to use blocks, you can now visit almost any website in the world, you squint a little, and you can see essentially what the building patterns are that they've used to create that. And once you start to learn WordPress blocks, then you can recreate almost any design or site that you see, use that as inspiration to make your own version, and then move on from that. What block themes are, are basically, traditionally WordPress themes have always been sort of PHP, CSS, bundles of things. Now you can create themes just using blocks. So without knowing a lick of code, you can now, in the Gutenberg editor inside WordPress, create these patterns and themes. We've also lost styles and style variations, which one of the cool things about Gutenberg is all the controls it gives you for the typography, the colors, everything. This makes it a little tricky because historically themes have been bundles of not just the design, but also the fonts, the colors, the spacing, everything like that. With style variations, and I'm gonna show one of these soon, you can now have uh, essentially dozens and dozens of variations on the same underlying theme structure. So a theme structure could be like how archive pages are shown, what's shown on the home page, things like that. That's all still customizable. But now these style variations can be distributed and shown. This is 2023. This is, by the way, this is uh, Bea Fieyo, who is going to introduce the 2023 theme. Every year we introduce a new theme for WordPress, and this is what is coming now. This is 2023, a new kind of default theme. 2023 is designed to take advantage of the new design tools introduced in WordPress 6.1. After its highly opinionated predecessor, 2022, the upcoming default theme is a clean blank canvas that bundles with 10 very distinct style variations. The theme uses fluid typography and spacing presets which means your website will be automatically responsive. What makes 2023 so special is that its style variations were created by members of the WordPress community, carefully selected for as many unique designs as possible. Whether you want to build a complex or very simple website, you can dive into creation and full customization yourself, or you can do it quickly and intuitively through the bundled styles. Styles can change many areas of your site, from typography to spacing to how featured images look. Here's how you can browse the different styles in 2023. Go to Appearance, Editor, click in the Styles icon in the top toolbar, then click Browse Styles. 
then preview the different styles on your site and see your own content. Now you can also browse through each theme's style variations in the theme directory and preview them instantly. 2023 is accessibility ready and available with WordPress 6.1. So that was so relaxing. <laughs> I get a little excited up here sometimes. So <laughs> we also have a lot to get there. So I apologize if I'm, we can slow this down on the YouTube later. <laughs> so that is closing out. And the exciting thing with the 6.1 release and the 6.2 release, which is going to be coming in March, we are at the end of phase two of Gutenberg. I remember when we first introduced Gutenberg six years ago, five years ago, yeah, we talked about the four phases of Gutenberg. The first phase was basically everything inside the box, so replacing that post editor and page editor with these richer Gutenberg block tools. Phase two is when we went outside the box and now said using these Gutenberg design tools, you can customize your headers, your footers, your archives, basically create the entire website using the same blocks uh, that you learned before. Um, let's talk about the last bit of phase two, and then I'm going to briefly mention phase threes and four. Threeses? Three? <laughs> this is a speed run. It takes about 55 seconds, but it's sped up like three times of an entire theme being created just with the Gutenberg blocks. So you can watch how this starts from like a completely blank canvas and very quickly using color tools, primary colors, secondary colors. Um, we're going to have some palettes. The typography is changing. We just changed the fonts. Um, some spacing that's going on here. And this is going to be fully responsive, so we'll see that go through as well. Add some blocks. And this is finally like changing some of the spacing to make it like a little bit cooler. That on the right is actually the navigation, so that's a menu where it says Work Studies Bio. There we go. Oops. It's, it's going again. <laughs> Finally editing the, the permalink pages, and done. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so that went from Blake to theme. And this is using a new theme for WordPress. Might be one of the last themes for WordPress called the Create Block Theme. Um, the Create Block Theme basically gives, if you're making something brand new, like a blank canvas to start from, also with some cool features. So for example, if you're using Google Fonts, it can actually import those to be served locally from your site. So I know there's concerns in Europe and other places around like GDPR and what, using Google hosted resources for things. So this allows you to run it all from your own website, yet still have the rich typography and other things that we all want in modern web design. So it can have one theme, one pattern, but infinite permutations. Um, these are some examples of um, different kind of styles apply to just one thing. And then finally, as part of phase two, we've been uh, working on the editor still quite a bit. So this shows some improvements with the writing experience, including partial selection of text across different blocks. We can multi do multi-blocks, quick link shortcuts, and sort of a Zen mode. You know, Gutenberg has a lot of controls going on. 
So if you're a writer, we actually have some amazing writers here in the audience. Seth Godin, maybe we might have Hugh Howie here someplace. Um, you want a more distraction-free interface when you're sort of doing that act of writing and creation that's so beautiful. So now with the Zen mode, um, we've gotten quite good at hiding all that other stuff. It can essentially transform into like a very, very minimalist editor. Oh, here's the Zen mode. It's actually showing for designs and everything. Um, patterns are one of the coolest introductions to WordPress. So we're continuing to work on the sort of inserter and browser experience for patterns. So think of patterns, a block is like a very basic, like I said, a Lego. A pattern's kind of like a little put together spaceship or something, you just insert it into your site. Um, this is actually showing a brand new inserter, which combines blocks, again, the basic things, patterns, which are combinations, and media all in one. What's fun about this particular pattern that we're showing you is a feedback we've heard a lot from people building sites for clients and things, is designers want to make these rich layouts and everything, and then when they pass it over to the client, they don't want them to break it. <laughs> I see some laughs, so we have some people. So what this is actually showing is this pattern is locked in. So the placement of the images and the text and everything. So it's easy to edit the parts that you're supposed to edit, but everything else is impossible to break. <laughs> if you try to put another images and everything, it'll be like, nope. <laughs> you can do that in a new block or a new pattern, but this particular one is locked in. Um, so I think it'll be extremely powerful for anyone who's building WordPress sites and then passing them off to others, which is a huge part of the community. Um, finally, around the, the styles, we're now adding a style book. So basically, this is a fun little display, if you're editing the styles for your site, that shows every, basically every possible block you can use. Pull quotes, block quotes, list, everything like that. So in one place, you can kind of test out the styles or CSS that you're doing with all the different things that people can do with the block editor. Um, again, very, very exciting for improving the robustness and the edge case dealing with uh, people developing and distributed themes and patterns. Um, in 2022, all of the things you just see um, were contributed by a record number of folks helping out. 1,399 release contributors. We were so close. <laughs> Hopefully some one person watching this will be inspired and get us to 1,400 next year. This includes 652 first-time contributors, people who have never contributed to WordPress ever before. 424 that contributed in 21, came back in 22. And one that I'm pretty excited about, which is 322 people who took a break in 2021 and then returned in 2022. Um, you know, last year, one of the things I spoke about was uh, some of our contribution numbers, meetups, WordPresses, WordCamps, everything had collapsed, actually. And what happened was like the pandemic, everything. We lost a lot of our methods for getting people involved. I think also people were just burnt out. <laughs> What a tough couple of years we've been through, um, including this year. It was a little roller coaster for me personally. Um, but now coming out the other side of it, people are starting to get involved. They're looking for community again. They're looking to learn. They're looking to everything. And being part of WordPress is certainly one of the things I always return to. If I'm ever feeling low or having a tough week, I find that the WordPress community is one of the just friendliest, loving list, lovingly list, loving list? Most loving. Most loving? There we go. <laughs> and so willing to help you out, <laughs> as we were just demonstrated right there. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> um, we have some new core committers this year. So I want to especially recognize and celebrate Bernie Ryder, Marius Jensen, Adam Zielinski, and George Mamadashvali, <laughs> who are the new core committers to WordPress. 
The core committers are basically the like top editors of WordPress. These are the folks who determine anyone can contribute code, but these are like the core folks that say what goes in to the the thing that gets distributed to uh, tens of millions of websites in every release. Think of these like the, the Wikipedia super editors. <laughs> They're like the very top of the top. Um, so from the bottom of my heart to the top of my lungs, I want to say thank you to all of you, the few of us here in this room, but also the countless thousands that come together, like I said, the Amish barn raising of software for WordPress. So thank you. <laughs> WordPress is what it is because of community. And we've talked a lot about building community through events, but it's also the WordCamp organizers, the meetup organizers, the core com uh, committers, but also especially the extender community. Um, it's not that hard to copy some of the features of WordPress, but when you start to think about the over 55,000 plugins and themes that can turn, transform WordPress into almost anything you imagine, whether that's an e-commerce site, whether it's a social network, whether it's anything out there, forums, um, the contributions, these extensions of WordPress are really one of the things that even you know, companies with billions of dollars of funding and thousands of employees aren't able to replicate. Um, WordPress as a project has got a complex interconnected infrastructure that makes contributions possible. So if you ask Joseph or anyone else what's part of the community health, it's you know, make.wordpress.org, it's the learn, it's the forums, it's the meetup, it's this whole sort of ecosystem around WordPress that makes up the engine of contributions. Um, now part of what we focused a lot at the end of this year and going forward working on is giving those tools to every theme, every plugin in the directory. So WordPress.org hosts an open directory. Think of it almost like an app store for WordPress, which is, you know, takes no payment cuts, has no listing fees. It's completely like open source. Things can be commercial, they can be non-commercial. It allows anything. And that's, of course, embedded within every WP admin, every dashboard of WordPress, so people just with a few clicks can install anything or uninstall things. Um, so I like to think of the nature of our community as fractal, meaning that every layer of WordPress um, whether it's a single plugin uh, or the entire thing, there's often sub-communities. If you think of a project like Yoast or WooCommerce or something like that, they often have their own plugins, <laughs> sometimes hundreds or thousands of plugins and hundreds of contributors and other things that come together to create them. Um, so last year, we did a lot of work on translations, so allowing any plugin to be translated by the community, um, or two years ago. Um, and that started to come really well. Now, most of our top 100 plugins are available in many more languages than they were in the past. And we're now adding some things to, essentially one of the challenges that I've heard from a lot of WordPress users around the world is this idea that because there's such a diversity of things in directory, how can you kind of tell what you're getting into when you choose a plugin or theme? So one of the new taxonomies that we're going to be introducing to the plugin, theme, uh, plugin and themes directory is basically gonna allow the creators of that plugin or theme to self-identify for kind of what type of project they are. So what's this going to mean? Um, in this new taxonomy, by default, uh, you can say like, this is kind of a solo single player plugin. And I'm just making it for myself, I'm releasing it for others, um, but it's, it's not really meant to be anything more. Um, there'll be a second taxonomy, which is a community plugin. A community plugin is one that says, this belongs to all of us. Um, the lead developers or whoever's working on it is really stewarding it. 
And if they're done, they'll pass it on to others. Is this for the next uh, generation as well, much like WordPress itself? Um, it's explicitly saying that there's no upsells. So this is just entirely free, often running entirely on the WP admin. So they might call external services, but also this is saying like this is something that you can use and it's built by and for the community, and also inviting contributions. So a community plugin is also saying like, please, get involved. And so, especially if someone's wanting to get more involved with contributing to WordPress, but contributing to the core software might be a little intimidating, getting involved with one of these community plugins is a fun way to do it. A portion of the community plugins we're going to specify as canonical plugins. What's a canonical plugin? Basically a community plugin that the WordPress project itself is saying like this is so important or so key that we're going to give our official imprint to this. Canonical plugins will be powered uh, by our security and bug bounty program. They will get attention from core developers. And we're saying like this is almost blessed. <laughs> this is one that's really, so as an example of a canonical plugin, think of Gutenberg itself, which is available as a plugin as well. If you want to get the latest and greatest features that haven't launched, some of the stuff I showed today, you can install the Gutenberg plugin. Think of the importers for WordPress, both the WordPress importer, but also importers from other systems. Those will be canonical plugins. So basically saying, well, we're, you can install this and you are super duper sure it is 100% solid, secure, and supported by the core WordPress. And then finally, we want to recognize as well that there's a ton of commercial plugins. So that's going to be something that people can tag. Often a commercial plugin will be accepting of outside contributions, but there's often a company behind it. Um, they often have commercial support and some sort of upsell. We've probably all experienced a theme or plugin that you can use for free, but then there's some pro version. So all of those will be tagged um, commercial. And so if you're choosing something, browsing the directory you're going in, you'll not be able to tell which, sort of what you're getting into. And the beautiful thing about WordPress is we love all of them. <laughs> not one is better than the other. They're just different. And we want to create a space where there could be commercial, non-commercial, community, everything mixed together. So this is uh, launching uh, this month on the WordPress.org plugin directory. So look for this, and then we're going to build it into the sort of built-in WP admin browsers as well. So check that out. <laughs> Just out of curious, who has something commercial that's in the directory that's in the room? OK, we got like a dozen people. Anyone working on a community plugin? Oh, it's going to be called a community plugin? A few. It's more than that, actually. We've got a ton of Gutenberg people here. <laughs> That's probably most of the room. Um, how about a canonical plugin? Anyone working on one of those? Gutenberg? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, this now sort of summarizes all the things that have happened. Um, I now want to speak about phase three of Gutenberg, three of four that we'll now be heading into after the 6.2 release. So again, phase one, post-editing. Phase two, editing your entire site. What phase three are is basically taking WordPress, which is kind of a single player thing, and making it multiplayer. <laughs> so the features that are going to be coming in phase three, some of which are in experimental right now and some of which will be starting this year. So if any of this piques your interest, it's a perfect time to get involved with what's going to be the next generation of Gutenberg and WordPress. Uh, Real-time collaboration. So if you've ever used Google Docs or anything like that, you'll now be able to see other people editing the blocks, the posts, the pages, and work on it together. Part of this is also introducing asynchronous collaboration and editorial workflows. So think now, if you've ever wanted to share a draft of a web page or a theme or anything like that inside WordPress, you'll now be able to have a special invite where someone else can come in and work on it real time if you want. You can see what each other are doing or comment on specific things. Maybe there's a paragraph of your new post. Now you can put a note on it and say, hey, I think that this could be XYZ. 
that now sort of collaboration is going to be built into WordPress. You don't need to like go to Google Docs or anything else to do that. It's all kind of built in, which also means all the blog editing tools will be there. Um, WordPress, for I think over 15 years now, has a really cool hidden feature, one of my favorite actually, which is called post revisions. So this means every single edit of every single post and page is saved. Um, by default and on the good host forever. Some hosts limit this. I hope they stop limiting this once we get some better features in. Um, but uh, this now, much like a Wikipedia, you can see the history of everything. This is great for just regular people. I love like, going back and seeing like, how maybe my about page has evolved over time. Um, but also amazing, like if you say you're a financial institution or a pharmaceutical company, where like everything you have on your website has like legal liability, and you need to see exactly what changed when. So um, revisions has always been there, but we're going to be significantly improving the interface for um, edi editing revisions. And then finally, the media library. So we're going to be doing a lot with the media library to integrate the Openverse directory that we spoke about, both contributing to Openverse and getting from Openverse, and just finally like creating like a notifications infrastructure. So everything that I just spoke about for these editorial flows um, will be there. So that is a brief summary of phase three. Phase four, which I know you're going to ask when it's coming, still years away, <laughs> is when we take everything we just spoke about in WordPress and make it multilingual. And so WordPress is so international, used in so many countries where there's more than one primary language. Um, Every time I give a talk, <laughs> the question is, when is WordPress going? When is multilingual going to be built in the core? Because there's some fantastic plugins for it, but since it's not built in the core, it can still be challenging. Now, we're doing multilingual after phase three because all the workflow stuff I just spoke about is, I think, going to be really crucial for creating great workflows around the translations. Because think about it. You make a new page in one language. Maybe you're writing your website in French. It's going to be translated into... Swiss German, um, what's the workflow for knowing that something is updated on a page, the translators get notified, and then they sort of sync whatever the update is, or that you might maybe want to ship a few things at the same time. So you don't want to ship the French version until the Swiss German version is ready, for example. So all of that is going to be supported by the um, collaboration. So that is phase three and phase four of Gutenberg coming soon. Part of what makes WordPress um, have the sort of success we've had so far is the responsiveness <laughs> and feedback that we get from the community, both in the questions, like I talk about at every single, it's been hammered in my brain, multilingual is important, because <laughs> they all ask about it every time. But also, we do this annual survey. It's like kind of a census for WordPress. Um, this is going to be at WordPress.org, but you can also scan this QR code. Um, this is, yeah, it's like our census. So if you want to give an input, we've reduced this from 100 questions down to 20. <laughs> so <laughs> I know there was a lot of work for that. Um, it's fast, easy, and we want to get as many folks from around the WordPress community um, participating in this. Because one thing we do have to struggle with is the folks in this room or that develop WordPress um, are just one slice of the user base of WordPress. There's millions and millions and millions of people who might not be represented in the conversations. So if we can get this survey out to some percentage of them, we'll get to know a little bit of what we might not know we don't know um, in the wider usage of WordPress. As we close up, um, it's been a really, really exciting year to be in technology. Um, uh, there's been moments this year that uh, something has been released where 
uh, I was so, my mind was so blown. <laughs> I just posted to my blog the quote, was it from, um, what was the movie, They Should Have Sent a Poet? <laughs> Which one was that? It was one of these cool sci-fi movies, the aliens come in and like, uh, contact. contact, yes, thank you. Um, one of the things that blew my mind this year, and if you haven't tried it out, you gotta check it out, from OpenAI, is ChatGPT. So this is taking the, the uh, GPT transformer large language model and applying it to this like chat bot. Um, we decided to ask it actually, um, write a short scene in which Matt, the founder of WordPress, co-founder should say, describes full site editing in single word. Matt, the founder of WordPress, stood on a stage in front of a large crowd of eager developers. He smiled confidently <laughs> and said, full site editing in a single word, transformative. The crowd erupted in applause. <laughs> As Matt walked off the stage, which I won't do. <laughs> so that was the prompt, and that was the answer that ChatGPT gave. I promised the entire speech wasn't written by it, although we did think about it. <laughs> um, Apart from tools like this, which are so exciting, and again, please try this out. It's free and open right now. Um, Chat.openai.com, I think, is the way to check it out. Um, but it's also been amazing, some of the create creative tools. So OpenAI released a tool called Dolly. I think it's called now Dolly2, D-A-L-L-E, um, which is image creating. One of the things that blew my mind, um, the, uh, oh, never mind, <laughs> was, was this actually being open sourced? So OpenAI is kind of like the new Bell Labs. It's incredible, like the top researchers in the world, everything. There's a group called Stability AI that has released tools like Stable Diffusion, which have basically taken all the stuff that OpenAI is doing, and you can run it on your laptop. You can run within like 20 or 30 seconds, give it a prompt. Um, I'm not sure what this prompt was. <laughs> it looks kind of colorful jazz. Um, but you can do things like you can upload a photo to it and say, give me this photo in the style of Monet or in the style of Salvador Dali or different things like that. It can transform images. It can take existing things and you can edit it. So instead of using Photoshop, you could just say, remove the clouds to the background or add more saxophones. <laughs> you can kind of just tell it what to do. And it, it's incredible. If you haven't done this, it is kind of mind blowing. This has also caused, I feel like, a lot of soul searching for everyone, because it's like, this is an area, you know, the development of AI, like, we were told like five or six years ago, we were six months from like self-driving cars. And I think we're still six months away. <laughs> and so that ended up being a lot harder to do, um, for understandable reasons. Um, but if you had told me like, illustrations and designs and writing word, state of the word speeches was something that the AI was gonna be able to do, I thought that would have been 10 or 20 years away. And it turns out it's there already. Now, part of the reason this works is that when you give a prompt to one of these things, it'll actually make like four, six, 10 different images of which like two are ridiculous and wrong. <laughs> Some of them are okay. And, but there's a, so often a few in there that like, you're like, wow, that's exactly what I imagined. And as a human, you can choose that um, and take it and then iterate based on that or maybe use that as a kicking off point for your own modification, inspiration, or creation. Um, the sort of use of this creative tools um, combined with humans uh, reminded me of one of my favorite Pablo Picasso quotes. Um, he says, computers are useless. They can only give you answers. 
part of why I like this is that as you start to play with these tools, the prompt that you give it has such a huge impact on it. So using tricks like we did on the chat GPT prompt that said, you know, write a scene in a movie or in a play, you can give it conversations. You can, it essentially sort of becomes a co-creation tool and the creativity that you have in prompting it, sort of starting that conversation, has a huge impact on the quality of what it gives you back. Uh, you'll see as you start to play with this, sometimes it gives you really dumb answers. <laughs> also, ChatGPT sounds very com confident and sometimes will tell you things that are completely factually inaccurate. <laughs> it's interesting, it uses, it's a large language model. So basically these models were developed by taking words and looking at what words are most likely to come next. It turns out there's kind of an emergent intelligence that happens when you start to get hundreds of billions of these pairs. And chat, or GPT-4, which is coming out this year, if you think this stuff is amazing, I think GPT-4 is gonna blow all of your minds. It is really to totally next level. Um, so giving the question to the computer <laughs> gives uh, compliments what computers are doing best, which is giving you the answers. And so I have that little variation, which is the computer gives you answers, but the creativity is still in the inputs. Um, this blew my mind. There's one thing in the WordPress world that also blew my mind, which is where we're gonna end up with, which we're calling Playgrounds. Um, I'm gonna click to start this. This is gonna be introduced by Adam Zielinski, and um, this is actually gonna be available shortly after this talk. So here This is WordPress website is not loaded from a server. WordPress, PHP, and a database are all running in the web browser. It's called WordPress Playground, and you can customize it. Let's click on the Settings button and select the Pendant theme, the Coblox plugin, and the Gutenberg plugin. Starting a new playground only takes a couple of seconds, and I'm even already logged in as an admin. Now let's create a new page using the alert block from Coblox. Let's give it a title and some content, and I'd like to be sure that this looks right when published, so let's preview it in a new browser tab. Mm-hmm, that looks perfect, let's publish it. Note that this website is temporary and gets erased as soon as I close my browser tab. And everything you see here is available for testing right now. And here's what WordPress Playground may enable in the future. Imagine a guided interactive WordPress learning experience where you get to edit code live and see the results right away. Imagine trying WordPress plugins right in the plugin directory and even interacting with them right then and there. Finally, imagine being able to try WordPress and even contribute to it within seconds from visiting WordPress.org. Isn't the future exciting? You can be a part of it. Learn more at developer.wordpress.org slash playground, join the conversation on the Meta Playground Slack channel, and get involved in the project. So, in classic live demo fashion, we broke it today. <laughs> <laughs> so, but very, very soon you'll be able to do this. I'm gonna repeat what just happened. So normally to use WordPress, you need to set up either like a local web server, a database, or go with a web post, like web posts like uh, Bluehost or WordPress.com or something, and that is running server software. Again, like a web server, like Apache, a full database, PHP itself, like all these things. 
This is happening 100% in the browser now. So basically, it's a virtual machine that gets spun up using this new thing called WebAssembly that's built into all modern browsers now. And so it creates a database, a PHP, a web server, everything just right there in a little window. <laughs> this is wild. Um, like he said, uh, this could be used for web development, for trying out a plugin before you would install it. Um, I think we're just at the very earliest stages of what this means. Like, for example, imagine a staging site. So maybe built into WordPress instead of having to spin up a whole new web server and virtual machine to test out things, maybe just click a button, it clones your existing WordPress, downloads it to your browser, and then you can make any changes you want. When you're done, deploy it back to your live website. Um, all of this stuff used to require a ton of server-side magic and, and sort of bouncing things around, and now, the miracles of modern technology, you could do it all inside your browser. So check out Playgrounds. <laughs> Coming soon is in like today. <laughs> and, um, and if you're a developer, like you realize how incredible what we just saw is. Like I, when I first saw it, I was like, this is not possible. <laughs> what just happened? So yeah, thank you, Adam, and congratulations to everyone who's been working on that. <laughs> so that is 2022. Don't you like this? We got a little heart in the 22. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you all. None of this would be possible without the contributions. Uh, it doesn't just take a village. With WordPress, it takes basically like cities and small countries <laughs> of people coming together. And that's what we plan to do and keep doing. So as we have had two decades of WordPress uh, so far, I like to think a lot about how can we make WordPress something that is a gift to the world and part of the web infrastructure for decades to come. I hope that maybe 100 years from now, maybe in this spot in New York, there'll be someone else <laughs> giving a state of the word. And this will be something that, like I said, I feel like the contributors to WordPress, myself included, all the volunteers, um, WordPress belongs to us, it belongs to all of us, but really we're just taking care of it for the next generation. And so really thinking about how to build things long term, how to align incentives, how to create the community tools that allow us to be around for a long, long time. So thank you so much for being part of that. So if anyone needs to stand up, go to the restroom or anything, now's your point to run out if you need to. Um, but now we enter the Q&A portion of, of the State of the Word. Uh, by the way, if you want to hear more from me, photomat.tumblr, doing a podcast on distributed.blog, which is like talking about distributed work. Um, I'm at photomat on the legacy social networks. And, uh, <laughs> and my blog is ma.tt. If you want to see the T.S. Eliot poem um, that I referred to earlier when I said they should have said a poem, I just posted that, I think, last, last night. Um, how the Q&A portion works of this is that there's no screening. There's no, we have no idea what's about to happen. But luckily, uh, in this room, we have a lot of answers to things far beyond what I'm aware of. And if you have a question, I think this is the spot to go to, right? So um, please, uh, come on up. I guess I should have given you a little more warning that we were about to do this, but uh, anything that's on your minds, we can talk about. Michelle, yeah, do you mind grabbing the, the microphone for her? Yeah. Hi, um, Michelle Frechette. I'm here with Post Status today. And say where you came from, just so everyone kind of around the world can hear. The other side of New York, not very far. Oh. <laughs> 
I live in Rochester. So first, um, I want to thank the Open Source Project for taking seriously my article on accessibility issues that I encountered at WordCamp US. Uh, and my suggestions, I put some suggestions in there that have been taken seriously, like creating a new section for the WordCamp Organizer Handbook mm. and creating an accessibility team for WordCamp US 2023. Mm. So um, kudos to you and those who are making web accessibility decisions, um, more than just the web accessibility, but the community accessibility in all ways. So I wanted to thank you for that. But my question's unrelated to that. <laughs> <laughs> so last year at State of the Word, um, you announced the photo directory. And, which I was happy to give a bunch of photos to kind of seed that and get that going. We now have over 5,000, probably close to 5,500 photos in there. Um, and we have several moderators. We're working real hard to get those published. So if you've submitted, we're all here right now. You might need to wait a day or two, but we'll get to this. I'm going to call that a successful campaign. In a year to have over 5,500 photos is amazing. Um, and those are all the Creative Commons. So people can use them however they want. They don't have to attribute to us. It's just really wonderful. But the question is, where do we go from here, right? So we have a lot of people who have been putting photos in. I don't know that a lot of people know about the, the directory and can take photos out and use them however they'd like. So what are the steps to getting people to understand that they don't have to go to Unsplash, they don't have to go to Pexels or whatever, they can come to WordPress for those things. And then is there a way for the people who are contributing to have an idea, not necessarily like where did your you know, picture get used because you just download them, but mm -hmm. how many downloads for pictures and how successful are the, what we're doing? You know, if I'm contributing 200 photos, are they just sitting there or are people using them? So I know that's a lot of questions, but. <laughs> no, that's a fantastic idea. <laughs> it is, right? Um. You can credit me when you actually make that work. <laughs> yeah, definitely, but oh, we just did. <laughs> um. Yeah, it, it's true. One of the best things about contributing to open source is the idea, I still imagine this, like lines of code I've written are executing hundreds of millions of times per day across like millions of websites. It's like one of the funnest parts. And we do have tools, for example, the plugin theme directory that sort of say how often things are used, which is a contributor. Or, and there's no reason we couldn't start to increment some stats, at least for how often a photo or something from the open versus downloaded yeah, uh, gotten through the API. Again, we won't know exactly how it's being right. used because that's all run locally. We don't have any tracking. Exactly. Um, but I think that'd be pretty exciting. Right. Uh, well, the other things I like about as we start to embed more of this is um, that we can sort of automate the giving of credit. Um, whether that's required or not by the license. Like if you insert a photo, it could have a little caption like, Photo by, you know, so and so, you know, that sort of thing, which I actually think is a pretty neat, also incentive. Um, I know it's always fun. I've licensed a lot of my photography under the GPL before, and it's been built into themes and other things. And it's always kind of exciting for me to visit a website and I'm like, oh, there's my sheep, you know, <laughs> <laughs> a famous one from the 2010 theme. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's very satisfying as a photographer to think it like is. my work's now out there. Um, so yeah, we should definitely do that. Thank you for the suggestion. Yeah, and then, and then how do we get people to use it and know about the directory was the other oh, question. Using the directory, I think we need a lot more stuff on there. So I think that you know, relative to Unsplash or Pexels or Shutterstock or something like that, um, our library is still relatively small. Mm -hmm. So I think combining our library with the Openverse library, like I said, has millions of, of things there, um, will make it just a lot more compelling that when you search, there's always something there um, for whatever you might be searching for. Um, I think we also need to figure out um, how to have people in it. Right now, as you know, we don't allow faces, faces or anything like that because there's sort of additional laws and copyright around like having a likeness of a person uh, in a photo that isn't really well covered by like even Creative Commons licenses, mm -hmm. like a model release or something. And 
we're still navigating what that would look like. Um, when I think about what might be coming next there, um, I think some of the AI stuff we talked about could be really interesting. Mm -hmm. So for example, there's models that create faces that don't exist in real life, <laughs> which is great, because then there's no person that's been affected by like, the reuse of their likeness or something. Um, so perhaps that's something we start to do, is you can upload a photo of a person, and we'll be able to like, create a fake person <laughs> that gets overlaid over the face, and then there's no, you, know, you don't have to license your own likeness to be used in the world. So that could be one thing. And then also just using all the library as like a starting point. So whether that's stable diffusion or something else that we could build in, these open source models, that you can start to modify things just using commands, prompts. Um, I think that would also get people to use it a lot, a lot more. Mm -hmm. We already have some like built into Gutenberg is like Duotone, which changes the colors of photos. So we can do some stuff with CSS to style things, blur them, do other stuff like that. But what if you know you really like that photo I have of the sheep, but you wanted to be cows instead? <laughs> In theory, this is something you could call one of these models, or tell one of these models. Like, take this photo, replace the sheep with cows, and it does it. <laughs> it's kind of wild. We should try that, actually, with that one, see if it That'd actually works. <laughs> but that, that is where these models are going. And like I said, they are getting quick, or better, so quickly. Um, the models that uh, GPT-3, uh, ChatGPT is based on 3.5, so like a middle one. The next version to this are going from hundreds of billions of inputs to like a 10x on that. Like, trillion plus. Um, and that will just improve the quality that much more. So that's what I think could be next there. Thank you. I'm going to add a tag. Going to add a quick tag. Josepha, in case you forgot me. Um, we also, when Openverse came over with us, did a little bit of research about how to do provenance with the Creative Commons folks to see how that can work in kind of an open source CC licensing setting. We haven't done a lot with it, but it's, we're aware. We're, we're looking at it. So. Cool. I, I'll finally say, just like we want Gutenberg to be a gift to the web and used places more than WordPress, Openverse is a completely open API. Mm -hmm. And so is our directory. So if other CMSs, whether that's open source ones like Drupal or Ghost or something, or proprietary ones, they want to build in the Openverse, that is completely open to them too. Again, it's part of like, as we are trying to create the web that we want to exist, it's going to be more than just WordPress. And we want to make the tools that we're creating available to others as well. All right, thank you. What's uh, next question? Hi, Ali Nimmons. I'm here from Austin, Texas. Um, <laughs> um, I think I can speak for everyone here when I just uh, say thank you to you, to co-founder Mike Little, and to everyone else who followed for this big, beautiful, amazing thing that has changed my life and changed, I think, a lot of our lives. Um, as a community member, I really enjoy looking at how we, all of us, everyone watching and listening, can improve, patch, uh, grow all of these ideas and systems and practices that make up this community. Uh, and a big part of that for me is being uncomfortable and brave in addressing challenges, problems, doubts, and struggles that we might have. Um, and as I grow as a community member into a leader in this community, I find myself inspired by people like Joe who are able to do this elegantly and wisely and kindly. Um, and so as our most visible leader, what do you think is the biggest challenge that WordPress is facing right now? Um, and how can we as a community of people begin to or continue to lovingly address those challenges? Mm. That's a tough question. Thank you. 
I think what really strikes me about it, um, we have a lot of teams that work on different parts of WordPress. There's like an accessibility team, a security team, a translation team. And part of what I've begun to appreciate is in kind of the systems thinking of addressing the problems that WordPress is trying to address, like creating basically an operating system for the open web that you can build anything on top of. How every single part of that's important. Mm -hmm. And sometimes some of the struggles we have is one of those teams being like, hey, we're not getting enough attention, or hey, we messed up on accessibility, or something like that. And it's true. Often maybe we didn't give enough attention to one of those areas, or we didn't have our security program covering enough of the plugins, or whatever it might be. Um, but each one of those is almost like its own linchpin <laughs> that's supporting all the others. It's like a, a lattice work um, where they're all they're actually all quite important. And part of what I think is so important about us having a broad and diverse group of contributors is that uh, without one of those, the whole thing would collapse a little bit. Um, and we can't pay attention to just like core and ignore the plugin infrastructures or something like that. So a little bit, we do shift attention and give more attention to some things some years and kind of move around a little bit. Um, but as more and more people get involved with WordPress, the nice thing is that we can kind of work on them all at the same time. Um, divide up the problem, essentially. Um, in open source, there's a saying, with many eyes, all bugs are shallow. <laughs> Basically meaning that like, uh, yeah, any one of this would be overwhelming for any one developer, myself, or whoever it is. But when you get like people specializing in lots of different areas, it's, it's almost like an economy works, right? Where, where um, one of my favorites, I think it's Adam Smith who spoke about in The Wealth of Nations, the idea of a pencil mm -hmm. and how simple a pencil is. But when you think about everything that goes into making that pencil, literally no one person, no one company could have done it. There's the little metal thing. How is the metal found? The eraser, the lead, the shaping, the machines that shape it, the distribution, how it was distributed to stores and everything like that. When you start to think, a pencil, even if it was maybe like a, a craft pencil made by a single person, the final putting together of the pencil, all the things that went into that, including the feed and shelter of the person who made it, is like tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people. Supply chain lines that go across everything. Something we've also been on people's minds now a little bit as supply chains are getting disrupted or got disrupted this year. Um, so I think about it like that. So, but thank you for that question. That's a tough one. <laughs> thank you so much. Appreciate it. Come on up, come on up. <laughs> Hi. Hi, my name's uh, Laura Byrne. I'm just from across the river in Montclair, New Jersey. Cool. Uh, we had WordCamp Montclair last year. I think we were one of two North American WordCamps last year. We're going to wow. have it again. And one of my favorite things we had at that camp is we had uh, folks from the All Women Release Squad do a panel. We had Josepha, we had Michelle, uh, Ebony Butler, and I am forgetting someone. Courtney, thank you so much. She's in the room. She's going to kill me. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm sitting next to her. This is very embarrassing. Uh, so anyway, trying to dig myself out of this hole. So um, I think that release squad was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Can we do it again? Sure. <laughs> when? <Absolutely>. Um, <laughs> when would you like to? <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking 2023, maybe the second half of 2023 sounds like a really good idea. What do you think? Um, yeah, we could totally do that. All right. Uh, we just got a plan for it, I guess. So let's, let's start. You're on. Are we on? Release. Um, it's definitely one of those things. So for those who aren't familiar, um, each release of WordPress has kind of a different team that comes together that is in charge of it. 
So essentially, I'm like the lead developer of WordPress, but really, it's like, kind of like we're passing the torch from different folks, which allows different teams to have like an impact. And we did this experiment with an all-women release lead squad. Yeah. Um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and what's that? And now, and non-binary. Thank you. Um, so that sort of experimentation is, I think, part of the beauty of it. Like we all get some practice at like creating a WordPress release, releasing it, getting it out there, and you know, folks can bring different different aspects. <laughs> it's part of why we name. If you don't know, we name actually every WordPress release in honor of a jazz musician. And part of the fun thing for me is looking at the characteristics of a release and which jazz musician kind of matches that or complements it or, or whose life story might like be part of that. Um, actually, if you go around and look in the office, the records that are in some of the conference rooms here, um, they're all the jazz musician releases. <laughs> thank you, Tino. Thank you, Pablo. <laughs> so, and thank you, my friend Marcos, who's, we have a professional jazz musician here, actually, Marcos Varela. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you for this session. We'll do it. Cool, thank you. And one last plug, WordCamp Montclair is happening in June 2023. We would love it if you might come. Oh, cool, right across the river, you said. Yes. June 23. And I guess we had two WordCamps last year. The slide said one, so we must have had at least two. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you for that fact check as well. Okay, <laughs> great, thank you. I love New York. <laughs> it really is like one of the great cities of the world. And so whenever here, I, mean, I get really inspired in the energy and everything. The shops, the small businesses, like, man. All right, thank you. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, this, my name's Ryan Marks. Uh, I'm with Pantheon, and I'm here from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Cool. Uh, uh, so two years ago, with the release of WordPress 5.6, we introduced beta support for PHP. Mm. Uh, a week ago, PHP 8.2 came out. And at the end of November, PHP 7.4 end of life. Yep. We currently have only beta support for WordPress on the support grid, on the support chart. Uh, all of the yeses have asterisks with beta support. So uh, what's the plan to, to get us to fully su uh, full support? Um, the request, the post from the Make team two years ago said uh, there was a call for all plugin and theme developers to become compatible uh, so that WordPress could be fully supported. Mm -hmm. um, what's the status on that? Mm -hmm. uh, and at what level does all themes and plugins need to be fully supported or, or compatible for WordPress to be fully compatible? Cool, let me make sure I'm understanding this. So basically you're saying that the new versions of PHP 8 um, are sort of support like how WordPress core supports them is still beta or? Uh, so all of the PHP 8 mm -hmm. uh, uh, columns mm -hmm. and all of uh, And where are these columns? They're in, they're on the make site oh, okay. of for the supported versions of PHP and WordPress, so there's a grid. Mm -hmm. And all of the yeses for all of the PHP versions mm -hmm. are yes, asterisk. <laughs> and at the bottom it huh. says beta support. And so it's uh, for enterprise companies who are looking to use WordPress, mm -hmm. today WordPress is only available in beta. Gotcha. Do you know, because I know we have a lot of sites running WordPress on PHP 8. Do, do you know what this might be in reference to? Or anyone have an answer? All right, right back there. Let's pass the mic. <laughs> yep. And Barry, we are running WordPress on a ton of PHP 8, or PHP 8 on a ton of WordPress sites, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, and you have an answer. Okay, well, let's, let's get both. Yeah, so, uh, Jonathan, uh, I work a lot on Core, Core Contributor. Um, 
So the changes in PHP 8 are pretty foundational. There's a lot of really far-reaching changes, and to properly support them is a lot of work. Um, and so all of the unit tests for WordPress core will pass on these, but we can't really speak for plugins and themes and how mm. uh, they use these features on PHP 8X. And so we can't really say, yes, we fully support PHP 8.1.2 uh, because we, we can't vouch for every plugin and theme. And so mm -hmm. it's a real gray area where it's difficult to really own that and, and confidently say that. Um, even though our contributor teams have put in the work and they have made core itself running on its own 90-ish percent compatible with these versions of PHP 8, uh, mm -hmm. with the exception of 8.2, which just came out. We're still working on that one. Um, so yeah, I, does that answer your question? Yeah. Like, and, and Barry, did you want to add anything to that? Let's, let's get the mic over to you. Yeah. Let's get the, yeah. Yeah, so I actually think that uh, lack of PHP 8 support, whether it's like in practice or in theory, is um, really important for WordPress. And so I actually asked about this today because we still have all these asterisks and, and beta uh, tags next to, and it's not only PHP 8.2, it's PHP 8.0, 8.1, 8.2, is all not officially supported by core WordPress, mm. not plugins and themes. So apparently, um, and I'm actually going to talk to the PHP team, PHP core team about this because um, part of the difficulty is the lack of uh, backwards compatibility hmm. uh, maintenance between PHP versions. But also, the, there's not really a um, compelling reason for folks to upgrade to PHP 8. So mm. those two things together make it hard to upgrade. But in core, we, need to need, we do need to do a better job and uh, of having uh, complete PHP 8 support, at least uh, in core and also in these... Um, what did you call them? Uh, com not community plugins, but canonical plugins. Canonical plugins. Yeah, canon yeah. canonical plugins. And uh, Tanya Monk uh, assures me today that it is a top priority uh, for her and her team uh, in 2023. So hopefully that means in January. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we do, we do need to, we do need to. I heard it was something with the requests library. Do you know about that? Yeah. 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 Well, well, let's because so people not here can hear. <laughs> yeah. So I heard there, there was a, there was like a th kind of a second party library. So it's something uh -huh. that that was imported into WordPress that we didn't write, mm. but we I think are one of the few folks using it, and so we kind of maintain it. Uh, there were some issues there, and I think that's why most of those asterisks are there. But we do, like you said, have thousands and thousands of sites running successfully on PHP eight, PHP eight one, yeah. um, with tons of plugins and themes. So it works. In practice, but I think uh, it, in theory it has these asterisks next to it, which we need to resolve as soon as possible. Could be a fun thing for Playground as well. So people could spin up like a copy of their site in the WASM version uh, inside the browser and then test things out, see how it works. Although there could be other problems introduced by that because it's, uh, it's not using MySQL, which is the standard backend of WordPress. It's using uh, SQLite and some translation layers for that. So. Yeah, it's interesting. PHP, and so the good news, it sounds scary when PHP says we're end of lifing, uh, PHP 7.4. Even that terminology, end of life. <laughs> you don't want to end of life your website. But in practice, what happens is every major web host essentially continues to backport security fixes and other things so that older versions of PHP, even though they're not officially supported by the PHP core anymore, effectively get their life extended. <laughs> by quite a bit, so it's not yet end of life. Including automatic, so we have a PHP 7 for 
fork on GitHub mm -hmm. in which we have backported not only security fixes, but bug fixes from PHP 8 releases. And so that's available, so that's on GitHub. Anyone can anybody use it. Can use, anybody yeah. can use it. Anybody can download it. And we're con committed to uh, maintaining that backport until there is significant adoption um, in the WordPress community and other PHP projects in order to kind of officially EOL 7.4 and move forward with the eight versions. Cool, EOL, the nice way to say end of life. <laughs> uh, so that is uh, continuing to go on. Um, I will say that PHP 7 was one of my favorite releases ever. Like it doubled speed a couple of times. Like it's, it was really amazing. Uh, the PHP project with 8 has gone a slightly different direction. And I think they're gonna have an adoption challenge just in general, not just from WordPress until they add some more compelling features, as you said, and maybe work on some backwards compatibility. So perhaps it could be also be something that as we co-develop and contribute and give feedback that in their PHP 8.3 or 8.4, maybe they can do some things that'll make it easier, not just for us, but for the entire PHP community to upgrade. Cool, thank you for that. Doing a logistics check. Our live stream shuts down in 12 minutes. Okay. <laughs> so 12 minutes. So we. we we got a couple more questions. I'll try to go through these a little faster. And if you have one, um, do you mind going up or, or getting in line? <laughs> Hi, Matt. Um, I work with you on Tumblr. Uh -huh. Zandy Ring from Olean, New York. And I have, I have questions from the internet for you, ah. from the legacy websites, <laughs> legacy social. Um, will WordPress be a thing after the entire focus is moved in Gutenberg? That's from Arland Nushi on YouTube. Ah, so will WordPress still be a thing? Yes, more than ever. So we talk a lot about Gutenberg, because like I said, it's something that is transforming WordPress. Um, like I said, when we started it, it's basically the biggest change in WordPress's whole history to go to this block paradigm. Um, but it's enabling all the core things we do in WordPress. So we're essentially using these paradigms of Gutenberg to create the next generation that hopefully makes WordPress more radically accessible, particularly the folks who might not have as much ability to code, which is always something. Like I said, we want WordPress to be radically accessible regardless of technical ability. So if we want to democratize publishing, which has been our mission for 20 years now, um, we need to make it easier to use, and that is what Gutenberg does. So yep, more WordPress than ever. <laughs> Thank and you. WordPress now, I believe, on the W3 text is over 40% of all websites. And on built with, which is what we're switching to, we're at like a 33% or something. I, I think I spoke last year, W3 text is going, or the data set is changing. So a third of all websites are, are running it. And that's about more than 10x the number two in the marketplace, which is pretty exciting. It's power of open source. Thank you. Thank you. And I'd like to just note for everyone that the rest of these questions will be posted on a .org blog post and answered there as well. So. Oh, cool. So if we don't get to questions, we'll answer them asynchronously afterwards. That's right. Um, this line is now longer than ever. I'll try to go quickly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Matt. Uh, Courtney Robertson, GoDaddy Pro Dev Advocate and co-rep right now of the training team. Cool. Uh, two years ago, during the Q&A for uh, your state of the word address. We launched Learn that year. Mm -hmm. uh, last year we shared a lot of stats about it. We heard more today about it. I am really passionate about uh, working with anyone that wants to learn WordPress on to getting them into the job market and help vet the things that are on our WordPress jobs board. Um, so that question said, things like certification are starting to come up again. Yeah. Our community talked about it and visited it in 2015. Myself at the time, I was opposed, and that tune has changed because I saw how hard it was as an educator 
to find ways to get people adequately trained for jobs and also seeing so many jobs being posted, mm. people applying, and they don't have the skills with WordPress. They might know the other programming languages. Can you speak a little bit more about why certifications are something on the roadmap for Learn? Sure. Um, I'll say that my thinking on this has evolved as well. Maybe it's similar direction to yours. Um, typically around certifications, it just felt like a lot of overhead to do. Like what does it mean to be officially certified on WordPress? And also changing every year. Like WordPress is evolving so quickly. What does it mean? How do you update that? Um, but now, exactly like you said, I feel like as there's more demand for WordPress developers and experts ever, having some sort of standardized education that they go to. Not unlike many professional organizations, like if you're a doctor or a pilot, it's kind of an ongoing training. There's something to get, be able to fly the plane in the first place, and then there's like an ongoing training that you go through every year. Real estate agents, every, many professional organizations have this. I guess mostly I just want to figure out how we can do it in a WordPress-y way. Like there's probably some de minimis cost because like an exam needs to be proctored or, or something like that. Um, but we want to make this content, training material, everything as radically open as possible. Um, so, but I think we can do it now. So I, there's some, we're in two ongoing conversations. And I, you know, I think it's fine for there to be sort of for-profit things doing this. And we can point to some of them, especially if they're aligned with their ethos and philosophy. And then also, hopefully, there's lots of nonprofits around like retraining people and others. Maybe we can partner with some of them as well to point to. So thank, thank you. you. Hi, Matt. Oops. Uh, my name is Bud Krauss. I operate as Joy of WP. And uh, first, I'm up here because I want to uh, well, I was up here last year, and everybody saw me around the world and said, hey, I saw you on State of the World. <laughs> so I decided I would do it again. Hi, Mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, in all seriousness, I do have a question. And that is, what do you see as the future of themes? Mm -hmm. Because with 2023, with all this design agnostic and with style variations, and, and I think you even alluded to the fact, like, like one theme. Are we going to get to the point where there's a universal theme, and that's it? And that's it. <laughs> That's it. That's a great question. Um, I think we're essentially going to have a bifurcation of themes. So there'll be essentially, like for most designs and most like standard themes, I can see those being built on just maybe one or two different themes. <laughs> like maybe it's create block theme, maybe it's like something else that comes up. Um, but like pretty well standardized. I think there'll be some other kind of community themes that might do like either weirder stuff, like I remember we've had like a command line theme before or something else, so there might be like sort of more radical designs that happen. And then I guess, but the real bifurcation will come is there's of course some themes, um, like let's say Divi or others, which are on the surface themes, but are really almost like entire applications embedded. So they're using the distribution and kind of the bundling of themes to include basically a bunch of plugins as well and other stuff. Um, these are really, really popular and actually do a lot to bring people onto WordPress because they bundle so many things that otherwise you might have to cobble together or, or assemble like a bunch of different plugins and things to do. So I think those are going to be around for a long time because essentially they're almost like applications being bundled. They're using on the surface themes, but they're really something else. And perhaps we need a new name for those as well. Just like we're starting to differentiate between community and commercial in the directories, perhaps those we need a new word for, because it's, it's really kind of like a theme plus an app that's bundled as one. So, a thap? I don't know, we'll, we'll think of it. <laughs> Sometimes naming is not my strong point. <laughs> All right, come on up. Hello, I'm Nev Harris from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 
This might be a crazy question, but the discussion about uh, GPT earlier had me thinking about this. When I owned an agency for eight years, the biggest problem we had with our class, I didn't have a big budget, was content, getting the website mm. written. We would call that the uh, build the launch gap. Mm. Now, I'm thinking for like a mechanic who builds his website, gets it ready, but doesn't know what to say about an oil change. Mm. And if he goes to GPT and says, what are the benefits to getting your oil changed every 90 days? Would there be, you know, and then he could get his website launched a lot quicker. Would there be any way or any thinking about implement integrating GPT with WordPress to get these websites launched quicker? Totally. I think so right now these models typically are expensive, like every query costs like a couple pennies. And so it might be something that sort of is more like integrating APIs with commercial services. Um, you know, whether that's from WordPress companies or like more broader ones like OpenAI. Um, and I think there's some specifically around like copywriting, like is it Jarvis is one of them? I'm forgetting some of the names, but there's already some like that have taken these large language models and applied them to like creating copy for marketing pages or something like that. Um, now, if websites were just being written by these things, I think that would be kind of boring <laughs> because they have a style of writing, which is like, it, the more you read it, you can kind of recognize it. And they're even talking about embedding some fingerprinting and things, so you could take part of text and like identify whether it was generated by GPT or some of these others. Um, but I think if that is kind of like a, a creative grist that perhaps inspires you to rewrite something or something like that, that's pretty powerful. So again, I think just the AI-created stuff is, has one level of coolness, but ultimately is not like raising the culture. And what humans do does do that, but there's sometimes that sort of blank canvas problem or the writer's block, like you're just staring at, it, you're not sure where to start. So if we can combine this, both for maybe giving you ideas for where to start, to write and edit something, and then finally on the back end, helping you edit. Like there's been tools like Grammarly and other things, Spellcheck obviously, that have certainly improved my writing. <laughs> and um, the next level of those, where you might be able to say, hey, I wrote this essay, um, how could I make it a little bit shorter? Or how can I make this a little punchier or something like that? And you can get feedback where it analyzes your writing and maybe helps you uh, iterate and improve it. I think that's actually pretty powerful. So there's these studies where they would show like just humans playing a game like chess got to a certain level, just a computer playing it got to a certain level, eventually the ultimate level. But, <laughs> but for a while, the human plus the computer working together, where the computer would suggest the moves and the humans would choose them, which they call centaurs. You know, the kind of the combination human horse type thing uh, is the most powerful. And I actually think that's the future of the, these creative works as sort of centaur creation. Thank you. Thank you. We'll, we'll make these the last three. Yeah, three and five minutes. We got it. Cool. Challenge accepted, Joseph. <laughs> Michelle Butcher-Jones, I'm sponsored by Pagely and from Carbondale, Illinois. Um, for the first 20 years of WordPress, it's been rather easy of getting like the um, older Gen X generation, the millennial generations coming into WordPress and helping contribute, build and everything. And but now in a way with the change of, for myself having a Gen Z daughter and then the alpha generation, is they're seeing more of wanting to um, be more of an influencer when it comes to tech and different stuff like that than actually like work on code and stuff. Mm -hmm. And as one of the front people um, pushing for um, the 
kids camps and to bring them in to WordPress that way and then also with our training that we're setting up. But what are we really doing and thinking of the future of keeping the in-course of the younger ones and younger generations coming? Yeah. Uh, you alluded to it, but I think education is so important. And we need to get into schools at every single level, elementary, middle, high school, college, and teach these skills. Um, because when you learn these skills, they actually are lifelong skills. When you learn a little bit of HTML, a little bit of CSS, that get, this gives you, much like learning an instrument or learning something else, like a language you can use the rest of your life to be creative and express yourself. And sort of learning a little bit how computers work, I think is in many ways like a new type of literacy that uh, just opens up entire worlds in a really powerful way. Um, two, we need to make it easier to onboard, and things like Gutenberg, everything we just talked about, I, I hope will help a lot with that. And the third thing, which is a little bit kind of a, a side personal project I've been working on, you might notice I've got the double verified check mark. That's a little homage to, <laughs> we, we launched on Tumblr this thing where for $8 instead of one check mark, you can get two. <laughs> um, but Tumblr is something I've been working on a lot personally. And so Automatic a few years ago acquired Tumblr. I've been functioning as a CEO of that since February. Um, Tumblr is social blogging, basically. So it's um, a cool thing about Tumblr is over half the user base is under 25. It's uh, more female than male and um, more mobile. And it's doing 50, 100,000 signups, depending on the day, every day. So a ton of new people are coming in and it's really fun. So we are transitioning Tumblr to be powered by WordPress. So it's not there yet, but you'll be able to use Tumblr like a social network on your phone or whatever. But the sort of what we call the web network, so like the, where you have a subdomain or a custom domain on Tumblr, that'll all be like WordPress themes. So what I'm hoping is that Tumblr can actually provide an on-ramp for an entirely new generation that has like the fun blogging aspect that's very social, so you can learn that part. But when you're ready to like expand your web presence or portfolio or have a store or something like that, then when you learn that, you'll actually be learning WordPress. And that's a skill which you could take to any web host, to any sort of like part of the whole WordPress ecosystem. So I'm hoping that can be a new on-ramp as well. That's just kind of something personally I'm working on and with Automatic, so. Thank you. Thank you. Hey Matt, Robert Jacoby from Cloudways. I did buy my two uh, check marks. <laughs> check marks so. You're double verified. <laughs> double verified. Uh, inspired by the Pantheon question and PHP, will there ever be a backwards compatibility break if there is a technology sufficient enough to accelerate the WordPress ecosystem? Hmm, a backwards compatibility. So, yeah. And so Gutenberg is a backwards incompatible change. And remember in previous years when Gutenberg was first being introduced, there was a lot of resistance to it. <laughs> There's, there's still some. <laughs> it's getting better. People are really opened up to Gutenberg. It's on like majority of new sites and everything. Um, but I would talk a lot that Gutenberg was something new to learn. It was a completely different tech stack. And it, ever, all the plugins and everything are going to be, be updated. But I'd say it's hashtag worth it, right? Like, um, it's a big change, but we think that this is worth doing. And we don't do it that often. It's the biggest backward. Like basically, you can run a theme written for WordPress from 2005 on WordPress 6.1 today, 17 years later, and it works. Which is why I think it's not a, like that kind of break. Like if you would say that WordPress 10 can't run on anything except PHP 4000. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll see. You know, never say never, and we'll see what is coming in new versions of technology. There's definitely features that, for example, require a newer browser. 
in, in WordPress or things like this WebAssembly language that allows the, the playground feature. Like that's not gonna be supported in you know, Internet Explorer 8 or anything like that. So, so we are definitely <laughs> saying like newer technologies, but we try to make that a progressive enhancement. So saying, like for example, some of this new stuff, like the block interface is way more complex. So if you're using like a screen reader to interact with WordPress, there's a lot going on. And if you just want to do a post, maybe that's too much. So we always have like the classic editor if you want to switch back, or alternative ways of posting to WordPress, whether they're APIs and other things, so that there's more than one way to do it. And depending on what sort of like you need to do, there's many ways to post, many ways to edit, many ways to do everything, including all these APIs, both the XML RPC and the REST API that are built in. So, um, but never say never. <laughs> we'll see. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Last question. All right, hope it's good. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Uh, Mike Melanson, I'm with the uh, GitHub's The Readme Project. Oh, cool. Uh, when you were talking earlier about Project Gutenberg, I was remembering uh, the beginning of this year, there was talk about the block protocol from Joel Spolsky. Yeah. And you responded that you guys were interested in helping out with that, partaking somehow. I'm curious what's happened since then, if anything. Uh, yeah, so block protocol, and Joel Spolsky is like, an incredible developer. If, you, if you're a developer, or I guess he's a leader now, but like, um, his Joel on Software essays um, is one of these books that's like a little older, but so timeless. Um, and New York City, I believe, as well. And was part of creating Fog Creek. What else did they do? Glitch. Um, what's that? A oh, Stack Overflow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How did I forget the big one? <laughs> so, so much. Um, sometimes developers don't like to work together on the same thing. <laughs> and so it, it's part of why there's like 200 CMSs and stuff like that. Like sometimes there might be a stylistic or a technical change that when you look at it, you say like, I can't use this thing that exists. I'm gonna start something that's different. And I think that's a little bit what's happening with Gutenberg and the block protocols. And so as we've gotten involved, like we're definitely communicating as the projects, but um, they feel like there's some things, either choices in Gutenberg or ways we develop things that just are incompatible with how they see it happening. Um, we'll see where that goes in the future. Um, like I said, Gutenberg, we've tried to make CMS agnostic, so it can be embedded in anything, and reskinned, like you saw with the Tumblr example, that can be totally different. And everything we're doing is open. So I would hope that wherever they end up, Gutenberg blocks could maybe be embedded. Maybe there's a translation layer or something like that in their editor. And you know, it's totally fine for there to be other editors if we can do something for users where if they copy and paste or just some sort of translation layer, I think that would be really ideal and where I hope we end up. Um, one of the cool things about there being more than one thing, like multiple editors as well, is maybe they create something really cool that's open source and then we're like, oh, let's bring that over to Gutenberg. So the innovation can flow both ways and sometimes maybe that's only possible if you're starting something from scratch. Um, so they're open source, they're doing open protocols, everything like that, so I consider them like a, a cousin project and I hope that we can integrate more in the future. But if not, that's okay too. Maybe this will just be an alternative ecosystem that can experiment with new ideas or maybe things we would say no to. They can try and then we see how it's adopted by users. Cool, well, thank you so much. We are going to end there. <laughs>if you're here in New York, we'll now go. We'll have some snacks and just hanging out. We'll be pretty open if you want to stay for a while. And for those of you tuning in online, thank you so much for giving us part of your day. Uh, see you next year, if not before. <laughs>